How should you protect yourself, defend yourself, or even just behave yourself if you encounter a coyote? Over the weekend, a nine-year-old was attacked by a coyote. We spoke with Fort White Alive's Barrett Miller on what to do. Also today, we talked a lot about grad season. Graduation season is here, and we learned some interesting things about this year's crop of graduates. One... They've bounced back even better than expected by the sounds of it in terms of all the stuff they've had to endure over the last couple of years. And seems like young people are drinking a lot less alcohol. So we got into that a little bit more and its potential effect on live music venues. Speaking of graduation, we had a lot of fun talking to you about something funny that happened on your grad night. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, June 26th podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off for a week. And a question for you to start on Monday. Just curious to know how are your allergies? Because... A little smoky again yesterday, and my buddy, his sniffles were acting up in the morning we were golfing. When I got home, my allergies just exploded. So if I sound a little sniffly today, that's what's going on, because I'm hepped up on the anti-allergen goofballs, as I like to say. But yeah, my allergies are brutal right now. What about you, Loren? Not bad, but it's funny. Once you said this morning and you asked me that question, how they were, it's like it's like a psychological trigger effect. And now I'm like, I don't know, like, does misery love company? Should I start sniffling with you? Because now I'm suddenly feeling it. But no, it's bizarre that they aren't because I noticed the smoke right away yesterday when we came outside. And, and, uh, you know, right now in Winnipeg, where our health air quality index is, I think it's a three, if I'm reading this right. So on the scale, that's just a low risk. Whereas in places like Quebec, they're at a high risk. And I think you mentioned Montreal's got the worst air quality On index the in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, uh, there's an in, in uh, it's called IQ air, the website, iqair.com. And they have a ranking for, you know, world major city air quality. And Montreal is number one ahead of places like Johannesburg and Jakarta and Delhi and Sao Paulo and Baghdad. So, yeah, they're just basically urging people to stay inside in Montreal. You think about the smog that's in some of those cities that you just referenced and the pollution, and then we're now we're dealing with smoke pollution, so that's something different. I'm curious why your allergies wouldn't have been bad on the course. Like, I don't, why, when you, why when you got home? I don't know. Like a dusting I, cue? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what triggered it, because sometimes I'll just ingest... Something maybe it might have just been dust, but it it'll it'll get in and just sort of it's like a volcano. Um, like I went through, I bet you, like a full box of Kleenex in two hours last night because I just was sneezing constantly. So I don't know what happened. I really um, don't know why there was the delayed reaction, but super frustrating. So. Thank God for the allergy pills, I guess. But yeah, let us know at 204-780-6868 if uh, you're feeling the same thing. And hopefully it's not uh, too long. Also, one of the big things we're discussing today, Loren, is grad season. Yeah, so after 7, we're going to head to Maples Collegiate and talk to the principal there. Uh, It was their, if I have it right, last, no, Saturday night was their uh, grad supper and the prom. And then later this week is the convocation where they walk across the stage in cap and gown. And so I know there's all sorts of high schoolers celebrating their grads this week. I think you walked by some grad photos taking place at the legislative grounds 
legislative building last week. And this is the season, tis the season where you might be super excited for your grad about what they're going through. Or perhaps you're like, they got nothing ready. <laughs> they got nothing planned and they don't even know what they're doing after school and all those kinds of things. But it's such a special time of year, I think, for many families. And I'm genuinely curious what the principal we're going to talk to. So much time was spent 2020, 21, 22, talking about COVID. And this has been the year where it shouldn't have, in theory, affected anything. But so much has changed for these kids in the last four years. You would, If you graduate this year, you went into high school potentially into COVID or in grade 10, 11, 12. And so your experiences were uniquely different as were that of university grads around this time. So I just have so many questions about how our kids are doing. Yeah, it was it was nice. I was walking the past the, two days in a row. Uh, and maybe there, there were students there all week long. I don't know. But yeah, it was... I guess uh, Thursday afternoon, it would have been after the couch potatoes. And there are a whole bunch of high school kids uh, on the back side of the ledge, sort of the south side, uh, around the fountain and on the steps taking pictures. It was funny. I felt like this sort of like interloper or invader because I was surrounded by all these young people in their fancy outfits. And here I am walking through with a T-shirt and shorts and a ball cap. And I <laughs> How fancy were their outfits? Super fancy. Yeah, like like more than you even remember. I know the gowns have gotten pretty, like, gowny. Yeah, yes. (laughs) But you know, it's not like I had a a fancy velvet, ugly velour, some sort of dress, but it was fancy. (laughs) But I feel like. Ensconced in velvet. I can't remember. It was velvet fancier than velour. I think it was like the lowbrow velvet, you know, like almost velvet, (laughs) faux velvet. Okay. But uh, I, it, but it felt fancy at the time. But I'm just asking because I know now grad gowns, a like costs, of course, are up. But they're they're like Belle, Princess Belle, you know, costumes, costumes, gowns. Now they seem very fancy. Oh yeah, yeah. It felt like I was walking through some sort of a Disney uh, movie or something like that. They they all, they all look super sharp, and uh, so it, it kind of it brought a smile to my face to just see them out there ex- in. Enjoying themselves and the, and also I remember what it was like in that in those moments the the promise of your you know be, becoming an adult and your life hope. ahead of you the hope at that time right like all your dreams just lie ahead and you're gonna get them all and then what happened Brett what and went then, through your mind <laughs> take me like, down the dark dark path <laughs> yeah, yeah after I smiled and saw the hope <laughs> and promise then I sort of giggled to myself thinking ah they've they got lots of time to realize their all their dreams will soon be crushed <laughs> if they make a mess of their life like I did. So <laughs> you didn't, first of all. But Brett sends me this text last week. Oh, I passed this beautiful gown thing and blah blah blah. They look so great, and then I realized life was never going to turn out the way they planned. And I was like, Oh wow, Brett, you <laughs> in like ninety seconds really took everyone with you on this journey of a <laughs> dark turn. It was a very quick roller coaster. <laughs> uh, so lots to discuss this morning. On grad stuff, and at 6.45, I'll actually tell you how you can win passes for the Gimli Film Festival. And we are going to have a conversation about grad. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to be talking grad season with Maple's Collegiate Convocations this week. We've seen grad dinners happening already, and that's what we want to talk about right now is your grad night. So not the convocation day, but your your grad night, your prom night, your dinner and your prom at 204-780-6868. We'd love to hear something amusing that happened on that night, something weird Tell us a story for a chance to win tickets for the Gimli 
Gimli Film Festival happening July 26th to July 30th. Skylar Peters in for Sarah McCarthy for a couple of days. Why don't we start with you, oh, sir? I wish I had a, a banger to give you guys, but like the Brandon grads, I guess, were pretty pretty low key. The only one I can remember is the year before I graduated, 2014. Yeah. Um, we had a you know pre-party before the safe grad. And, you know, we all left and a bunch of parents drove us to the Keystone Center, which is where it was held in the curling club there and left with one of my friends who shall not remain uh, or who shall remain nameless for this story. Um, different cars, but like got in the cars at the same time, got in there. You know, you got to get your, you got to get signed in by your parents or whatever you have to do to get in. And as I'm like walking down the ramp, he's getting wheeled out in a wheelchair. So I don't know what happened in like the yeah. 10 minutes that he got in there before me, but <laughs> it must have been exciting. So uh, never saw him again for the rest of the night, of course. <laughs> All right. And your your safe grad was held at the Keystone Center? Yeah, in the uh, Brandon Curling Club. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Yeah, is the safe grad still a thing? Yeah, it is. I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They do, uh, and in Brandon, they do Crocus, Neyland, and Massey like three days in a row, and they just kind of flip the rotation every year. So if you've got lots of friends, it's uh, it's quite the week for you. For sure. Especially that's, if you go last. That's weird. Yeah, but our safe grad was, I don't know, some. they took us out to some field somewhere. Yeah. No clue where it was. I couldn't put, I don't even know what direction it was because they just, we had our grad night at the Victoria Inn and then they, they were like, hey, everybody go change. The buses are here. And so then we had to scurry off to these school buses and go God knows where. I can't remember. Good times. Cam, what about you? Uh, well, I like my actual grad night. There was like a casino. I I probably stayed uh, for the dinner, and then I think I left like after an hour and a half because we I was me and my brother and my friend Chris Grabsky. We were kind of hosting it out at my grandpa's farm, and so we had a tent out there. My 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 buddy Chris was a DJ at the time. Uh, I think he still might do it a little bit here and there, and so we kind of had to get ready for everybody in our grade and a bunch of other people to show up. And, and it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember asking my grandpa about it. Um, uh, and I, and I was said, I said, Papa, do you mind if we, you know, put a, put a tent out there and, and, uh, and, you know, have everybody come over for grad. And he looked at me and he went, I don't care. And so, yeah, we, <laughs> we did it. I, I was kind of thinking he might be a little hesitant, but he didn't give a crap and he's like, go for it. And it was a real fun night. And I had a great time that night. Yeah, Forche <laughs> was there. We, we again. I think people know this, but yeah, we graduated to twenty twenty oh nine uh, River East Collegiate. So we graduated together. Go Kodiaks! That's yeah. right, Loren. Yeah. What about you? All I remember for the safe grad that was weird is you know how you were so excited. Like for me, this was going to be my first night. You know, I had a curfew and I had to abide by the rules and try to do my best at home. I'm not saying I always did and got out. There were certainly groundings, but like the safe grab was going to be this night. You were so pumped to stay up all night. And I distinctly remember getting to three in the morning and being like, I, this is a lot, like the night is long. Yeah. This is a long time and I got to keep going. And you're like sitting on a bale in some field, as you mentioned, Brett, and you're like looking around. And you're like, I don't know if I can do it. I think I took a nap for like 45 minutes and then woke back up and then persisted and still to this day think like, you know, you get so excited by it and not that it wasn't super fun. It was, but it was harder than I thought. Like it was work to party through the night. And then on my university graduation, I'm not going to say why, but probably once a year, I still go down and check the bin that holds my degree, like my certificate, the diploma, because Every once in a while, I have a dream that I actually did not graduate and I failed something. And I, no joke, will go dig around and be like, there you are, Carlton. You're not a fraud. 
It's right there. It's right in front of me. But I, I still to this day stress once in a while about, did I really graduate? I, I walked I, across the stage, but I have that thing. Does that happen to anyone else? I have that same exact dream that I'm back in high school having to do like an English class or something like that. And oh. I'm never prepared and I have to go to math class and all this other stuff. And I'm like 32 years old back in high school. Yeah, I have that exact same dream. Like probably two or three times a year. I got, really? Uh, yeah. I got... Uh, I did my internship here in Winnipeg before convocation. Um, so went to convocation. I guess they send all your diplomas in the mail. And it's in this like heavy manila envelope and it says, do not bend. Well, the guy just shoves it into my little like three by three mailbox in my first apartment in Winnipeg. So my expensive piece of paper is like folded in half and I, I, <laughs> I have lost it. Like I don't even care about it anymore. I'm like, come on, guy. It says do not bend right in the middle on the front in red ink. Crease, crinkle, cram. You'll do fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly kind of a good synopsis of my uh, post-secondary career that's kind of bent and crinkled, but... Oh, what about you, <laughs> producer Jeff Forte? I was in rough shape for grad. It was my 18th birthday the, the day before, oh, so... No. <laughs> so oh. every picture of, like, me at the garden party, uh, I'm oh. looking pretty haggard, and I got a bottle of water with me. I remember it was so hot, and I was wearing a suit. I was so uncomfortable, but uh, by the end of the night, uh, a few bevies later... Uh, I was, I was feeling good. You know horse, baby. And hilariously, and this is too, maybe this is a little too insider, but actually, my friend Lyndon was actually texting me a photo of him and Forche at the garden party, and everything Forche is saying is absolutely accurate. He just <laughs> sent that to me like last week. Really? He's listening to us on the air, anyways. That might be a little too much. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was, I was in rough shape. Rough shape. How are you feeling this morning? It was your birthday on Saturday, yes? I'm still feeling pretty rough right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're too young to feel rough two days later. That's not allowed. That's, that's, you got to be in your 40s to have the whole, like, am I still exhausted from that party two weeks ago? Depends Thank how you. hard you go, Loren. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Why don't you go party with Forche sometime? Let's see about that. <laughs> I'll never come back. And uh, for mine, I, I, I don't know why we, we wanted to do this, but I guess there, there, some of our classmates are talking about renting cars so they could show up in this, you know, nicer automobile than what we were driving. Like my buddy had, I think at the time, a, an Acadian or like he had either a Maverick, a Monza or an Acadian. I can't remember which at what time. But anyway, we, weren't, we didn't want to show up in that. So we thought, well, let's rent a car. So for whatever reason, a couple of dudes from Transcona, me and my buddy Sean, we decided to call the car rental place just looking down the building here at Ellis and uh, Smith. And um, we got there. I think we were going to rent like a Monte Carlo. So it wasn't even a super fancy car. It was just nicer than what we had. And uh, then we showed up and they're like, oh, you're not 21 or whatever. We can't rent you this car. So you ride your bike. Thanks. So at this point, we're now panicked because we got to get back. We were going to, you know, rent the car and drive home. And now we got to get on a bus to get back to Jasco. So uh, that was a really, really badly laid out plan on our part. We didn't quite think about that one. It's a big week for thousands of Manitobans, Loren, graduation. Yeah, so many high schools held their grad parties over the weekend, their proms, their safeguards, perhaps. And then there's some graduation ceremonies coming later this week, but it just might depend what school you're in and how your schedule works. Scott Shire is the principal at Maples Collegiate and joins us now. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm good. You know, I had joked last week about how kids behave this time of year. Mine are younger, you know, in the elementary category. And I said they're reaching the feral stage. But I was curious just to, what's the mood in the high school at this time of year as we look towards sort of the future for so many grads? Actually, it's looking great. Um, our kids have bounced back incredibly well with the work with our staff and uh, just the excitement of our graduating class that had a full year in School, a full two years, but kind of a regular year this year for them. So uh, we had our safe grad on Saturday, and it was just awesome. Where was that safe grad, by the way? Uh, we held it at the Victoria Inn. Okay, well, Victoria Inn. Went, that's where I had my grad dinner, actually, <laughs> back in 1995. Um, and you talk about the the students being resilient and having and bouncing back. And I mean, a lot of these grads spent a couple of years in and out of COVID restrictions. So did that have any lingering impacts that you can see? I I think the lingering impact is it brought the kids together. Like our last two years of grads um, have just been huge celebrations and camaraderie for our kids. Like they care about each other so much. And it's just, like I said, it's brought them together tighter than groups before COVID. Um, just because they had to go through this and the resiliency and so forth. And I, I think especially um, the work that our teachers have done, the, I've seen the recovery from learning loss go a lot quicker than the media would report. Yeah, so are you talking about the fact that kids might be emerging out of high school where they should be, Scott? You know, because there was so much stress and put on that and the concern that you might have about, oh, wow, you missed school. Surely you're going to be behind. So are you feeling like you, that we're now back on track, that kids are entering whatever program they might be going into, college, university or other, the same way they would have five years ago? Uh, definitely, actually. I'm not going to be a popular person with my colleagues by saying that, but uh, <laughs> when I... When I look at our marks and I look at uh, our conversations that we're having with teachers and kids, I, I think we are getting back on track quicker than we, we would have thought. Why would you say you don't think you'd be popular? Is that because there might be some counter beliefs out there or others pushing the opposite? Definitely. Definitely. There is. I know there is. But I just, uh, you know, the stress that I saw in our teachers when we first came back fully and the stress that they put on themselves to try to get kids to recover quicker than they could. Um, and I reflect on our entire year. I think we, you know, I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> we had a first couple of months which were tough, you know, getting kids back on to these are our expectations after you spent two years in your basement. Um, but I think the last six months have been exceptional. And you talk about the kids coming together as a, as a community and caring for each other and more camaraderie. Did, did, was there a similar effect amongst the staff? Did they come together in, in a similar way? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, we have a huge staff of 150, so there's pockets of groups, right, that, that really uh, bound together. But as a whole, I think so. When you... When you talk to other, you know, smaller schools, for sure, they definitely did. So what are the students telling you, Scott, about where they're going? You know, I know you can't encapsulate the hopes and dreams of a thousand kids or, you know, a couple hundred grads that you might be seeing this week. But I'm curious where they're going in terms of career choices. What seems to be trending in popularity, whether it's college versus university and trades? Like what's going on in their minds that where they want to go in the next five years? Um, we're a pretty diverse community, so uh, we're pretty diverse in our, you know, we have kids that are going into, want to be doctors, lawyers, uh, 
And then we have a ton of kids going into the trades, actually. Um, we run a, a cooperative vocational program out of our building, um, and we push that you know, pretty hard, and we have a ton of kids going into that as well. So, is it, again, I can't pinpoint one exact occupation because we're so diverse, but it's, it's more or less back to normal, is, if I could say that. I like to hear that. So I'm curious, and you had your safe grad, which sounded pretty, went pretty normal. Did it go well over the weekend, Scott? Well, it was exceptional. We had 300, 300 attendees. And, uh, you know, I, what I mean with parents, parents are reflecting on their grads and thinking that it's, you know, lineups at the bars and things like that. Our lineups were at our photo booths. And uh-huh. our dance floor was packed the entire night. Uh, the poor bartenders were lonely. <laughs> Well, I've actually been hearing, Scott, and reading different articles about youth these days and, and alcohol consumption being down. So maybe safe grad isn't that big, you know, it was such a big thing to be able to be, oh, wow, we'll be able to have a drink on our grad. And maybe it's just changed now. It totally has. It, it you know, the kids are different. They're there to, to be together and to enjoy each other. And like I said, like the, the lineup was at the photo booth uh, with groups of kids and the dance floor was packed the entire night. And sorry, what uh, before we let you go, uh, grad, con- when's the convocation? Convocation is Thursday night, so just before the 29th, just before the last day. All right, well, Scott Shire, Prince- oh, go ahead, Loren. Is that when Scott celebrates? I just am curious when your celebration comes in, because you get Scott you get a break. <laughs> Scott celebrates uh, June 30th at 3 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Principal of Maples Collegiate, Scott Shire, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Scott, thank you very much for this. Okay, thanks a lot, you guys. Take care. And our question of the day, by the way, is inspired by listener Joanna, who says, grad dresses. If you have not started a grad dress fund the same day you registered your child for daycare, you are screwed. (laughs) They are nothing like the dresses we bought from Sears back in the 90s. My daughter's dresses each costed more than my wedding dress, $500 and $800 respectively. So we're asking you at 204-780-6868 and at cjob.com for the question of the day. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. What did your grad outfit cost? Or your kids? $100 to $200? $200 to $400? $400 to $800? Or too much? Cast your vote at cjob.com. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling's off this week. Since we're talking grad season, we're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about something funny, something weird that happened on your grad night. Like Darlene, who says, my story is actually my dad's story. Dad held the liquor permit for my safe grad, so he had to stay until the end of it, about 5 a.m. He went to leave and realized he had locked his keys in his truck. So him and a couple other dads spent 20 minutes trying to get in. They're now trying to figure out how to break in through the back window. My granddad was out for his morning walk. He wanders over. After a few seconds, granddad says, Hey, Rick, do you think you could get in through here? <laughs> the passenger window was wide open. <laughs> They're trying to break into this truck, and the passenger window is open. And, of course, I'm curious if this is his dad or his father-in-law, right? Like, Because, of course, your parent would be walking by as you're making a jerk out of yourself you know in your mid 40s right like you're an adult now and then your adult dad has to point out your errors like that just seems to be the way that would go and uh, you kudos to the parents who help out in the safe grad i I forgot like i hadn't thought about my safe grad in so long 
Um, but I remember, and I couldn't drink because I wasn't 18 yet, but I, I know a lot of my classmates were, and they were they were going right up until the bitter end and just seeing those parents out there serving drinks and uh, to, to imagine, like, they, they must have been exhausting for them. Hopefully they had fun with their, you know, watching their kids have a good time. But, yeah, that, I, was, I was in the exact same boat as you, Loren. I remember thinking, like, we got to do this until, like, almost 5 a.m.? Yes. I'm tired. Yes, I realized I was not the partier I had imagined myself to be in 1995. And, you know, I'm fascinated. I'd love to hear from people right now, 780-6868. Like, if you have kids or no teenagers, that comment from Principal Scott Shire just in the last 10 minutes about how at the safe grad for his school this weekend for Maples Collegiate, hardly any of the kids were at the bar and they were, you know, all taking photos and dancing. And I'm not saying we didn't dance, but much of the the lure of the safe grad, unless I'm just not remembering this right, was the idea that you got to bring some alcohol and it was allowed as long as you were of legal age, that consumption, like, because that was the draw back in the nineties was the drink. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My classmates were so excited to be able to to drink. Right. And that's when every parent must've been like, Oh, so many life lessons are being learned tonight with these kids, the shame they'll feel tomorrow. Lack of lack of dignity, you know? Yeah. You're, you're no life lessons to be learned if you can't. Well, if you're apparently. not drinking, that's great. I'm just curious if they're seeing like our, our teens just not as interested as alcohol as generations past. That's great if that's the case. Yeah, unless they're turning to something else. What would you do if you saw someone being attacked by a wild animal? So, of course, you've been hearing this story throughout the news about the nine-year-old boy who was out with his 15-year-old sister walking around the Popco Crescent and Knowles Avenue area in the Kildonans just before 7 p.m. Saturday, so early evening. And that's when a coyote ran towards them, according to police, and they tried to flee. Logan Funk was in his living room when this all went down, and he heard the screams from outside. Uh, I went to the window uh, to check out what was happening for around a second, and I heard... uh help 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 so the 18 year old rushed out the door of his north kildonan home to find this boy being mauled by that coyote i saw it over there and it was still looking at us and uh so yeah i grabbed the shovel and i walked towards it and chased it uh down into popco bay the coyote then disappeared into some bushes. So he managed to chase this coyote away. And after a trip to the hospital, the boy who was attacked is now recovering at home. It's left the neighborhood with many questions about coyote sightings and what feels like increasingly brazen behavior from these coyotes. So we're joined now by Barrett Miller, Group Services Manager at Fort White Alive. Barrett, good morning to you. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Loren. So thanks so much for joining us, Barrett, because we're like I... If I'm out for a walk and I see a, or riding a bike, I see a coyote, what do I do? Um, the best thing to do is if the coyote is uninterested in you, um, just maintain your distance. Uh, safe social distancing with wildlife is about 20 meters, not two meters like it was with people a couple summers ago. When you mentioned a couple summers ago, why are you referencing that, Barrett? You, you oh, found just, people. Just COVID. Uh, social distancing. Got it. <laughs> we all got used to that. Now we have to think about social distancing, wildlife. I thought perhaps. I thought perhaps we're getting too close to coyotes because I think sometimes we assume certain wildlife is not going to be potentially dangerous, right? And we we allow our that distance to become. Oh, it's fine. They're fine. I'm fine. Um, so you have that distance you might keep if the if the animal's not interested. But if they are interested, like this coyote appeared to be. 
aggressive, if I could use that word, because it was yeah. coming to them. So then what? Because that's a different kind of behavior. So if an animal's making you uncomfortable and you get a chance to see it coming, you make yourself loud and large. Puff yourself up. If you have a piece of clothes that you can take off easily, like a jacket, you can hold that up of, up above your head to make yourself even bigger. Big, broad shoulders. And this applies to anybody from a very small person to a very uh, big person. I've taught my little nephews this. You puff yourself up. You don't scream. Don't run. Those things can trigger either play or predation in a lot of species. You know, if you think like the dog at home is sort of calm until you take two or three steps running and then, oh, I want to play. It can be the same with wild animals. So make yourself large and loud. Don't turn your back on the animal, but try to get away from the situation. Back away slowly if you can. Give the animal lots of places to go. If it's the kind of encounter that is a surprise, if all of a sudden that animal is in your space and you don't have the chance to get large and loud, The best advice that I can give people is, when in doubt, go for the snout. If that animal is close enough that its contact is inevitable or likely, this isn't, I'm not giving people permission to go around punching neighborhood wildlife, but if this happens, you swing for the nose. If you miss the nose, you might connect with the eyes or the ears, and uh, it turns out that no mammal, no animal likes getting punched in the nose, eyes, or ears. And turning and running is a bad idea, right? Turning and running is a very bad idea, Brett, because, again, it can provoke that predatory instinct. Oh, it's running. It's afraid. This is something I might want to eat. And I'm not speaking about coyotes in general here. This applies to bears. This applies to even raccoons. Turning and running indicates fear. Turning and running, we've got some pretty big brains, but our legs are not as fast as most of the animal world. We will get outpaced. Um Turning, running, and shrieking or screaming, again, very human instinct to make that loud, high-pitched noise. But that high-pitched noise sort of is the same sound as prey makes, a rabbit or a squirrel. We don't want to be making those sounds, and we don't want to be running and making something potentially worse. Maybe that animal had no intent, but if you turn and run and scream, all of a sudden something twigs in it, and, oh, maybe I am hungrier than I thought. Maybe I am a little bit less timid than I thought. Is there something that should be done, Barrett? Like once a coyote does attack, and, and, and in this case, you know, a boy has been hurt, should that coyote be found if possible to find that, you know, to track it down or to find the one that exhibits predatory behavior to remove it from an area? And I'm, and I'm going back to, you know, decades ago of being up at the, the lake and hearing about bears that when they got too close or too unafraid of people, they would try to move that wildlife because it wasn't good for either. And, you know, um, I don't actually, because I have, I don't know this particular situation, that's going to be individual to each situation, animal and area. I do believe that Manitoba Conservation is uh, looking for that animal right now. So clearly they've looked at its behavior and the environment that it finds itself in and feel that that may be appropriate. It's hard to say generally. Um, generally, I can give you people suggestions for how to keep themselves safe and try to avoid that. Um, predatory or loss of fear thing happening in wildlife, and that is never hand feed, control secondary food sources like garbage and pet food, uh, scraps left out. Um, I had a coyote come and steal a cup of fresh water from me down in the desert in the States once. I thought I was being smart, going for a night hike. I poured myself a cup of water to brush my teeth when I got back to camp. 
got back to camp and there's a coyote on my picnic table slurping away at my water. I yelled, I flicked my light on and it ran, but I learned a lesson. Don't leave anything out that might attract them. Um, and, uh, also again, don't let them feel comfortable. Don't, uh, they're wild, help keep them wild. If it's in the yard, just sort of hanging out, flick the lights on, yell at it, say, Hey, coyote. So all of us can work together to make sure it doesn't get to the point where it may need to be moved or removed. Our guest yeah. is Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive. Go ahead, Lauren. Just one, one, one more follow-up just about kids, because you reference you've taught your nephews this as well. You know, like kids might be out for a bike ride and, and just be 10 years old and maybe not even four feet tall. And so how do they, how do they try to make themselves bigger? Because the coyote might look at that and think that that's more fair-taking, so to speak, Barrett. Well, right now, um, you know, um, again, try to teach the kids to keep their heads up. I know that it can be difficult, and kids should be kids and not have to be looking around all the time. One of the wonders of the natural world is fleeting glimpses of wildlife, though. And not just things that sometimes scare us, like coyotes, but all the little things. Um, weasels, squirrels. So really trying to instill that. Keep your eyes open because you never know what you're going to see. And... Um, even a little four-foot-tall person puffed up can be five, six feet tall if they raise their arms. You mentioned bikes, Loren. If this happened on a bike, bicycles are great. We, we think about just sitting on them, but if you were to lift that bike, if you were to actually turn that bike in front of you, all of a sudden you're almost three times as wide as just a person on its own. So I would actually use anything that's around, and I would and have taught kids to use anything that's around to make themselves look bigger. Um, always go with a partner. It's more fun to go bike riding with or whatever, play outside with a friend. And um, there's safety in numbers. The more of us, the more our collective size adds to the situation. So that is the best advice I can give to parents. Keep your eyes open. If you know that there's a coyote and it's been exhibiting behavior like rooting through trash, like going after um, neighborhood pets, um, that is the time to be a little bit extra vigilant we don't need to be afraid of these animals. They are actually far, far more timid than we think. Their aggressive encounters happen very, very rarely. Um, a list of the aggressive encounters in Canada that have resulted in injuries over the last 20 years, it's not insignificant, but it's not significant. It certainly happens less than once a year, it seems, across the country. So... We don't need to be afraid of them. We just need to give them the space and respect they need. And if things are going a little bit funny, if that animal is getting a little bit too comfortable with us, keep our eyes open and try to make it less comfortable and um, then report it to the authorities, report it to conservation of the city. Well, when you talk about them getting a little too comfortable, like this this particular situation happened at Knowles Avenue in Popco Crescent, which is just sort of on the edge of a neighborhood. Uh, so I'm not super surprised that, you know, it probably came in from those fringes. But I've, you know, we've had listeners send us pictures from their, their security cameras. Like one listener, I believe, was on Pandora Avenue near Pandora and Owen in Transcona, which is two blocks away from Club Regent. And that's not a place where I would have anticipated to see a coyote. So they, it seems like they're wandering, you know, a little bit further in than, uh, than I'm certainly comfortable with. Um, you know, Brett, they are, like so many species, Winnipeg is a wildlife city. It's one of our assets. It's actually a really great thing that we have that biodiversity around us. Um, coyotes will go anywhere that there are rodents, anywhere that there's a food source. 
people tend to bring rodents with them. Um, I live in Sargent Park. Um, I'm two blocks off of Portage. I've seen coyotes trick trot down my front street, showing zero interest in anybody, but they were there. Um, they're in River Heights. I've heard they're right into the downtown, as are foxes, as are deer. Um, really, we're a wildlife city. If we have green around us and with our rivers, with our parks, golf courses and the like, we almost always have that green around. It's always a good idea to keep your eyes open for wildlife. You know, in bigger cities, in more paved over cities, people don't need to worry about that. They need to think about, oh, I need to leave this place to see these wonders of nature. And I mean, with that wonder, it does come that element of risk. Anytime there's humans and animals in the same space, there's a certain element of risk. I mean, a big one is traffic, which is why we should always be watching when we're driving and walking and biking. But it is actually kind of fantastic that we've been able to build a city of the size we have and maintain enough space for people and wildlife. Barrett Miller, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your insight. Good to talk to you, pal. Thank you very much to both of you. Have a great morning. Barrett Miller is the Group Services Manager at Fort White Alive, one of the coolest places in our community. And we are asking you this morning to just just tell us something funny, something weird that happened on your grad night. And we'll pick a winner in our next segment. And we're talking about it because it's grad season. And I I don't know how you felt leading up to your graduation from high school, but uh, it was basically any any emotion you could that I could feel. I was feeling it. I was excited to finish school. I was hopeful for the future, but also scared, terrified at the that the the impending threshold of adulthood. Oh, just the nerves too, right? Like you have all this time you're looking back on on growing up and the friendships that you made and the things that you went the ups and downs, but you're also looking very f- down the road to what suddenly felt like a short summer. You know, your whole life as a kid, the summer was so great. You had stretched out in front of you and then you're in grade 12 and you're like, "Oh my gosh, in 8 weeks, like I'm hitting the road for Ottawa and I'm going to be on my own." Like like alone. What? It just seems terrifying when you think about it. And, and then now when I have, you have your own kids and I count, I'm not counting down the years at all. I cannot believe that in six short years, you know, where we might be as a family or five really and where that could take my own family. And I'm already, I can't even imagine being a mom right now. I cry at strangers grads, let alone my own kids. So kudos to the parents out there as well. Indeed. So, yeah, it's a big week in terms of, you know, grads, Loren, but we learned, and Skyler referenced this in his news, something that kind of made us go, huh. Yeah, so we went to cup. There was two ahas in this moment. We talked to Scott Shire, the principal of Maples Collegiate, just after seven. And first of all, we wanted just to know how the grads are doing, because, of course, I think it's safe to say the last three, four years have really been unprecedented as far as school years go, right? You had on and off remote learning. You had masks when you got back to school. There was all the social distancing. And Scott says, yep, challenging for sure. But for the most part, kids are all right. You know, the stress that I saw in our teachers when we first came back fully and the stress that they put on themselves to try to get kids to recover quicker than they could. Um, and I reflect on our entire year. I think we, you know, I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> we had a first couple of months which were tough, you know, getting kids back on to these are our expectations after you spent two years in your basement. Um, but I think the last six months have been exceptional. 
And you think about the idea. He said, you know, I'm going to get pushback on this from some people. There will be those out there that say that's not the case, right? But each school might be different. Each class might be different. Each kid might be different. So it's not a blanket statement for all. But in his opinion, a lot of that learning loss has been recovered. And so they're back on track, back at pre-COVID levels in his mind. What isn't back, and this is the other aha moment of that interview, from his observations, the partying that many of us might remember from our own grads, which would have included alcohol and the safe grad and the, you know, the looking forward to, oh, wow, I can, you know, now consume alcohol at this graduation. Well, that is not as big of a thing from what Scott could see at Maples. What I mean with parents, parents are reflecting on their grads. And thinking that it's, you know, lineups at the bars and things like that. Our lineups were at our photo booths. And yeah. our dance floor was packed the entire night. Uh, the poor bartenders were lonely. <laughs> well, I've actually been hearing, Scott, and reading different articles about youth these days and, and alcohol consumption being down. So maybe safe grad isn't that big, you know, it was such a big thing to be able to be, oh, wow, we'll be able to have a drink on our grad. And maybe it's just changed now. It totally has. It's... It, you know, the kids are different. They're there to, to be together and to enjoy each other. And like I said, like the, the lineup was at the photo booth uh, with groups of kids and the dance floor is packed the entire night. I don't really know what to think about that. I'm, I guess I'm first surprised to learn that they, they weren't so much caring about the, the alcohol as they were just to be there together. Um, and in, in one way, it, it, I, I find... Find it kind of encouraging because if younger people are drinking less, then that means they're going to be healthier. They're probably going to make fewer dumb decisions, <laughs> alcohol fueled decisions, or, or get into any sort of an alcohol related altercation where we, you know, anybody who drinks has had a bad night and probably still feels some sort of alcohol related shame. So if they're drinking less, then I think that's great. But I'm just curious to know are they? Is it because they're consuming something else uh, and not being judgy about it? I'm just, I know that a lot of, you know, cannabis is certainly a lot of people enjoy the edibles or whatever, but uh, I'm also curious to know where, what's, what's driven that? Like is, <laughs> I'm just scratching my head about it. Lauren. Well, I, I think there is a lot more health consciousness out there. Uh, I also think, you know, that attitudes and behaviors have perhaps changed. And we've talked often in the past when you reference certain European countries, how, alcohol consumption is different in younger people and just different overall because it's more common. So have we maybe just been talking to kids differently or maybe they see things differently and they're looking at their own parents and being like, yeah, no thanks. Like I've seen my mom or dad act a certain way and that might be why they choose to walk away from it. But I think there's a lot more health consciousness going on out there. And I do wonder too, you know, like every generation, I don't know if evolves is the right word, but does things differently or might mature differently and so maybe that's part of it too maybe what we did at 18 is what's an 18 year old 18 year old will now do at 25 you know it's all coming a little little later oh. but i would you know do you, does that make sense like yep. you, you know because like like if you think about 60 70 years ago you know like the teenagers were getting married and now you get married later in life and so maybe other things that we might have done are happening but maybe just happening at a later time or maybe there's just no interest, which is not a bad thing, man. Like, it's not just the health and the poor decisions that might be made and, and the tempers that flare up with alcohol and the bad behaviors. There's those choices to get, you know, behind the wheel too, right? And so yeah. I, I I would love to know if, if it's not alcohol, is it something else? Or is it nothing else? Maybe it's the photo. Maybe Instagram, maybe the photos, the TikTok is the new booze. <laughs> and that's what's like driving the fun and the energy. The new high is the, the rush of adrenaline the that comes from the likes 
on social media. Yeah, that's it. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. Brought to you by Engineers, Geoscientists, Manitoba. Competent, caring, and skilled professionals. Engineering a better world. Looking for that sun to stick around for a bit, but the clouds will roll in. we got a high of 27, some haze, and the humid X at 30. 60% chance of showers before morning and a risk of a thunderstorm, low of 17. Tomorrow, looking for that high of 28, but again, a chance of rain. Well, Wednesday brings a 60% chance of showers and a high of 25. Right now, it's whatever Fortshade just told me. A minute ago at 680 CJOB. 21. 21. (laughs) (laughs) I try, Brett. Like, I got it for three weather segments, but asking for four in a row is too much. It's too much. It would not be complete (laughs) if we didn't get, or if Loren didn't miss the temperature at least once. It's just a a daily rite of passage. It's got to make, it's got to be the thing that Forche has, like, my face on a dartboard at home next to a temperature clock. (laughs) And he just chucks darts at it at the end of his shift. And my face will be up on Cam's wall, and I'm sure he'll be practicing throwing <laughs> coffee on it after I collided with him and dumped his coffee all over him. Sorry, Cam. So, listen, we're asking you about something funny that happened on your grad night for a chance to win tickets for the Gimli Film Festival, uh, which has a great lineup, and we're going to learn more about that later this week. July 26th to the 30th is when that is happening. And uh, Jesse, one of our runners-up, Jesse says, my friends and I arranged to dip out early from our safe grad party to go see Transformers Revenge of the Fallen in theaters. We did go to some after parties after the movie, but... The movie was more enjoyable than playing in a fake casino and not drinking since we weren't quite 18 yet. No regrets, especially since the Transformers franchise tanked with the later films. So, hey, hey, glad you got to, you at least enjoyed the movie, Jesse, because I didn't really care for that one. But Which Jesse's one was right. that? The Megan Fox one? It was the second one, yeah. So uh, she, but- she was in that one. And uh, that came out in, well, the first one I think was 2007. But yeah, I didn't care for it all that much, but Jesse's right. They, they, those movies got worse and worse. Uh, the fourth and fifth ones were two of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, 2009, Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah, not very good. Jesse followed up by saying he actually doesn't remember the movie at all, and he might hate it if he saw it again. <laughs> but, okay. but he also hasn't seen any of them since, so you know it stands out as a memory for him. Yeah, and that's and that was, it was a, like a big, that must have been a big, big day for everybody. So, of course, everybody was... Was flying high, um, but Loren, uh, Sandy is a runner-up, and then we will announce our winner. I graduated from KE in 82. We had our dinner and dance at the Westin. That's now the Fairmont. Sandy says they drank a bottle of Mom's Champagne before going in with my date, and she means Mom's the brand, I think. Yes, that must be a brand, the way it's spelled. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, Sandy says my- I just stole some champagne from the oh. mom. I was thinking that was, I don't know why I thought it would be like so great to drink Mum's Champagne, like an actual brand name. But Sandy says, all my fake nails popped off while dancing grad night. After the dance, we went to my girlfriend's parents' house who were away for an after party. And the next morning I woke up on her couch. My sleeves and my dress somehow got torn off. And my friend came upstairs and told me someone stole all her mum's chickens out of the freezer. Good times, says Sandy. (laughs) And by the way, G.H. Mum Champagne House, located in... Rames in the heart of the Champagne wine growing region since 1827. The Mum Champagne House has deliver, developed excellence and passion for its. Uh, the, the, the Google. Oh, it's like actual off. real champagne. Like yeah. it's not the um, 
you know, sparkling wine or whatever you have to call it. Oh, no, this is legit. Yeah. So there you I go. Think I, too, actually drank this champagne on my grad night, uh, Sandy, now that I'm looking at this bottle. Uh, but Darlene is our winner. And Darlene says, my story is actually my dad's story. Dad held a liquor permit for my safe grad. So he had to stay until the end of it, about 5 a.m., goes to leave, realizes he's locked his keys in his truck. So he and a couple other dads spend 20 minutes trying to get in. Now they're figuring out how to break in through the back window. And my granddad was out for his morning walk. He wanders over. After a few seconds, granddad says, Hey, Rick, think you could get in through here? Passenger window wide open. (laughs) And Darlene followed up a couple hours ago to let me know, yes, it was the father-in-law. Like, not just your own dad, but it has to be the father-in-law walking back. Hey, Rick, you moron? You want to just use the open window here or no? You're the bright person that my daughter decided to marry. I knew this was a mistake. <laughs> Darlene, congratulations. Enjoy the Gimli Film Festival. We got more tickets to give away through the week on 680 CJOB. We discussed last half hour and a bit earlier this morning that many of the young impending graduates at the safe grad for Maples Collegiate Loren really weren't drinking all that much that night. Yeah, the principal observed that the bartenders were bored, and that's because the kids were either, you know, taking pictures at the, I don't know if they had a selfie set up or what it might have been, or a photo booth, and that they were on the dance floor. And as it pertains to young people and drinking, we've had some stories in our news in recent weeks about this growing trend. So there was once a time where drinking was a regular part of live music events, but it seems that experience is actually becoming less common, especially for the younger concert goers. And so our Brittany Rosen of Global News put this story together a few days ago, about 10 days ago, showing that the trend is really impacting music venues. It's not often Ed Sheeran comes to town, but when he does, the party outside of history gets an early start. There's so many concerts I've been to this already this year. I can't wait for this one. This is a big one. We got here about 7 in the morning. They beat us at 3.30, but we were uh, numbers 18 and 17. 24-year-old Melanie Matsubuchi says it's an experience she plans to take in sober. Overall, I'm just here to have a good time, so I don't want to kind of let alcohol ruin that for me. According to experts, this is a reality that is becoming more common at live music events for Gen Z's and millennials. And some worry a shift in drinking habits could hurt an industry still trying to recover from the pandemic. Who ever thought that young people would drink less and therefore make it more difficult for bands and venues to survive because of the lack of revenue? 63-year-old Karen Woolley has been attending concerts for decades and says there was once a time where the drinks were constantly flowing. We would have lots of alcohol and just dance our faces off to various bands, but remember a lot of them? I don't. Younger people say the generational transition is happening for a number of reasons. I just don't like drinking. I don't like alcohol. It's so expensive now. Like, I was at the Jays game a week or two ago, and, like, one king-size can was almost 20 bucks. Despite less interest in drinking at concerts, it's still unclear how a potential decrease in alcohol sales will impact Canadian music venues. You can always buy non-alcoholic drinks at live music venues and people tend to be thirsty. So they're purchasing something and we'll, we'll see if we can figure out how things are changing. Now, another concern raised by experts is if there is a decrease in alcohol sales, will this lead to an increase in ticket prices? Again, it's too early to tell, but certainly the fans here at History here for Ed Sheeran. Certainly hope, Alan, that won't be the case.
fascinating in two ways, because here they are saying that, you know what, if there's less alcohol consumed, that means there's less, fewer dollars coming into the venue. Will that impact ticket prices, which for many already seem, you know, incredibly ludicrous. And then on the flip side, shouldn't we be happy that the consumption is less? Like what a weird space to be in to say, you got to drink more so that our concert tickets don't cost as much. But we should be I think, happy that that's not happening. And I, and I think about even what, what I've seen at restaurants, Brett, I don't know about you. I understand that the cost of food has gone up. And I do know we've had additional taxes added to alcohol and all the rest. But the cost of even a glass of wine now is ludicrous yeah. at most restaurants. Like a glass of wine is more than I spend on any bottle ever. Yeah. Maybe outside of like a special birthday for a friend or something, right? And so the cost is, is a big part of it. And so I used to enjoy having a glass of wine with a meal at a restaurant and, you know, really don't as often as I would because of that. And I wonder, going to concerts, if I would be inclined to think the same given the cost of alcohol at some of these venues. You know, it's a great point. And because I, I mentioned this the last time I went to, well, when I went to the, there was an AEW event. I went to there and was shocked at what it cost to buy drinks. I uh, went to the Jets game and same thing for when I went to the Sea Bears game. If I want to get two rum and coke, it's $12 each. And that's basically 24 bucks. That's basically the cost of a two six of rum. So, but I'm like, not that I would drink a ton more if the prices were cheaper be, because I, I made that mistake once of going, showing up. At a, like when I was 20 years old, I went to a, an Econoline Crush show, I think, at the convention center. And I was already drunk when I got there and ended up missing half the concert because I was off in the corner sick and just being, you know, stupid. And I, so never again. I want to make sure that I actually remember the event. But the you're right. The cost of of getting alcohol at these live events is a lot. And I think that certainly has to be playing a factor into like, OK, it cost me. Let's say it cost $150 for whatever event you're going to. I don't know. You're already spending a lot. And then you want to, you have maybe one or two. Because a lot of people who go to concerts go to a lot of concerts. Like I know people who are, it's every other week they're posting pictures from like big concerts that probably cost them at least 150 bucks. So to factor alcohol in on top of that every time, it's going to bleed you dry pretty quick. Brenda says, can we not just be happy that drinking and then drinking and driving might be getting through to younger people, give them credit that they can go out and have fun and not drink. And and that just might be part of it too, this idea that you need to have the alcohol to add to the fun or add to the night. And I've often reflected, you know, I might be at a Jets game or, or other, and you look at all the people in line for alcohol while the game's going on. And as a couple, you would have just spent, you know, three to five to $700 to be at that game, depending on where your seats are, and you're missing it to stand in line to spend another 80 bucks on like four <laughs> drinks. Like yeah. some of that just, just, I, and I've done it. I'm not knocking. I'm just saying it does seem ridiculous. And so maybe that's part of it, but there have been hands down just studies that have said in the last five to seven years, you know, the Gen Zers for sure are not consuming as much alcohol. And I guess, you know, like I think that Brenda makes a good point. Maybe we just need to give credit to that. And there was a, you want don't we want them to be smarter than us like the next generation yeah. isn't that the idea i guess for sure and there was another point that was made and i can't remember which listener it was but there was a, a suggestion oh here yeah here it is they they say it, maybe it's cell phone use no one wants drunk pictures or videos of themselves on instagram and that's a good point because the younger people would be would that would be more top of mind i would think the the, the notion that maybe there's somebody is videoing them or somebody is taking pictures of their 
of their intoxicated chicanery, and they don't want that. Out Could of you imagine media. phones at safe grads of the 1990s? No. Like horrifying. And I and that you know I often have wondered when I when you're at a party or at a wedding or other that there should be like a rule that says the phone goes away. Take all the pictures of everybody looking good, and then put the phone away. Not because everyone gets so you know, intoxicated, just you, you look worse as the night goes on and more tired and more sweaty and the makeup's worn off and all the rest. But there might be something to that idea too. Yeah. That you want to look camera ready. <laughs> and uh, Alan Cross, you heard his voice in that piece from Brittany yeah. Rosen. Alan Cross is the host of the ongoing history of new music. He's a musicologist for Chorus Entertainment in Toronto. And he wrote a piece on this uh, just a few days before Brittany's story. The headline, if you want to read it at globalnews.ca, is Gen Z isn't big into drinking alcohol. And this has an impact on live music. And he makes an interesting point here. He says older demographics like boomers and Gen X grew up buying beer at concerts and later embraced wine and coolers and cocktails. And they drink so much at shows that arenas, stadiums and amphitheaters eventually, eventually installed cup holders at every seat, not contrary to common belief as a place to put down your one drink, but as a place to store <laughs> the second one that you bought while you quaff your first. And that's, that's it. Like I don't want, because you mentioned the run, I don't want to be standing in line for drinks and miss the action. So that's what I'll do. I'll bring two. I'll hold one, and the other one will go in the cup holder in front of me. And I, you know, one of the points being here from Rob is that this idea that if you don't have enough sales of alcohol at the venues, that the ticket prices would go up. Rob says, remove this concern. This is the vendor's issue. They're marking up the cost of drinks. We all know the actual cost. They could be making 200% on markup. So maybe if they lower the price per drink, they might move more product if that is the concern. Like, Mm. I I don't need to be drinking more. Maybe you need to be charging us less. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And just, it is weird because you're right. And the listeners who are are saying is we should be glad that they're drinking less. And yeah, of course, I think it's a good thing. I just, I'm curious to know if there are going to be other uh, farther reaching effects on, like, because when you think of alcohol and all of the jobs it creates, like just look at, you know, all the people who work at the liquor marts, all the people who work at the beer vendors, all of now the local breweries in Winnipeg, which I think is great. And then they, they or, or the money that gets raised when people might be consuming at, say, a gala. You know, if I'm hosting a gala and we're getting into the auction or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll usually joke with the people in attendance and say, hey, see that bottle of wine on the table? We want you to have more of it. And then we want you to make your bids because maybe you'll be a bit more loosey-goosey with how much money you're willing. So like, like there, it, there's a lot of economic spinoff that's great. But uh, and the people drinking less also great. How do we combine the two so that everything still works in harmony? That's, I guess, where we're going to have to figure out where we go next. Maybe there'll be something else at the table instead. Like I think we are asking the question: if it's if there's less alcohol, is it being replaced with something else? Mm. What what do the demos show for cannabis, for example, in your forty five plus versus your eighteen plus? I, I'm genuinely or nineteen, I guess it is here. You know. I'm curious. That's actually a great point, too, because I don't know about your circle of friends, Lorraine, but since legalization has occurred, a number of my friends who never, ever touched anything related to cannabis uh, are now into edibles, and they quite enjoy them. Not, not They're not like eating them like a bag of gummy bears or something, but they will do the edibles, uh, and they'll either enjoy getting a little bit high, or, or some of them just do it because they want to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was surprised at the number of people who are now 
into that sort of experimenting with that kind of stuff. And you're right. It is a whole group of people uh, who wouldn't have touched it until, you know, 2017. And now it's sometimes the preferred choice. So I'm going to see if we can delve more into this, Brett, and get some stats on what is and isn't being consumed and how that's all working based on age and maybe lifestyle or cost or, or where you live. But I, I have no doubt that cost, I mean, health, I'm sure is huge, but cost, I think, would be the overriding factor for many. You get there. And you, next thing you know, you spent $300 on what should have been a $150 night if you yeah. have five, four drinks and you buy a couple for friends. It's it's insane. Yeah, like I remember going to Vegas to see Christina Aguilera and they were selling these like slushy drinks and they were $25 each. So we like, well, okay, we'll eat this cost because it's Vegas and we expected that. But still, we had four drinks and it cost us $100. Right. Um, it, did it taste good? What kind yeah, of? Yeah, they were sushi? delicious. They were delicious. And they were in that obnoxiously tall glass. No, with like a huge straw. No? no, no, they were just served in regular cups, kind of cup that uh, you could have dumped on yourself if somebody like, walks even- around the corner and not isn't paying attention. <laughs> Not even like a souvenir cup for 25 bucks? Uh, no, there was a souvenir. I, now that I think of it, it was a souvenir cup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because in Vegas, you always see those, like someone gets so excited, they're on the strip and they're walking around with that giant, giant, like it looks like a <laughs> tubular animal balloon <laughs> filled with alcohol. Yeah. And, they're, and that person is just so happy to be like, check it out. Yeah. I can walk around with this two-foot drink. Like, I've still got my big plastic boot from the Golden Nugget <laughs> from Fremont Street. Something like that. There it is. <laughs>